For the last four weeks as a church, we've been walking through this, uh, our mission statement as a church. Uh, and it's been both where we're headed individually, what God is speaking to us individually, and also what God is uh, doing and speaking to us as a church, and then applying that to our mission statement. And uh, so we've been looking at both individually uh, and as a group, as a collective family, as a collective uh, church. And I tell you what, I don't know about you, maybe it's just me or maybe it's something I ate, but I've been moved by uh, the way God's led me through that. And so I've done it every single Sunday. I'll do it again this week. If you haven't gotten a chance to listen to those, go back and listen to those messages. They're on YouTube or they're on our Facebook page or they're even on our website under sermons. And you can kind of just get a glimpse, a real good glimpse of our focus and culture of a ch as, as a church. And so this morning is going to be right in line with that because uh, we've taken and walked through our entire mission statement. And now we're going to look at some practical or even some, well, now how do we do that? And what, what's the purpose of that this morning? Uh, that's what we're going to look at. And so we've walked through this process in, uh, of our mission statement. Uh, and essentially, our mission statement as a network of churches, and I've mentioned that maybe a little bit, but we're a network of six churches that share the same uh, mission, vision, and values, but we do it individually in our community, uniquely different. And so, uh, but in a sense, that mission statement we have as a church is, uh, is biblically what I truly believe given to all of God's people, all of the people that uh, that uh, call on Christ, that put their faith and trust in Him. And it is, we looked at it, uh, I'm going to briefly walk through it, we looked at Christ, seeing Christ in all things. And I know we do a funny thing with the mystery box to see Christ in, uh, you know, the different things that get put in the box, or even uh, just with that idea of looking around us and always seeing Christ. And we looked at that idea of being Christ-centered. Everything's focused on Him, everything comes from him. And that's God's plan for everyone to see life that way. And then we got into uh, knowing, if you know and understand God's love, leading the, uh, God, uh, his sacrifice and sending his son for us, uh, leading into loving God wholeheartedly. So when we know and understand and gain that understanding of how much God loves us, how much he, uh, he chases us down, he interacts with us, we then can put our trust and hope in following him wholeheartedly. If you remember, we talked about not giving our heart away to things we shouldn't, and, uh, and, and whatever it is, good, bad, or sideways, to, to put it in God wholeheartedly in our devotion to him. And, and uh, with those two measures, we then looked at, just, a couple, just two weeks ago, we looked at the idea of how that is extended through us by God to all people. There's nobody excluded from that list that can receive um, those uh, God's love and his, uh, and his pursuit and his acceptance. And, and it is for all people. We don't get to pick and choose. And we'll even get into that a little bit this morning. We don't get to pick and choose who is in or out of the church. God says it is for all people. And, and, and he wants us to be a part of bringing that to all people. And then we ended last week with this idea of that... Uh, we, that we all may find a new, uh, that we all may find a new life in Jesus and living that out as a disciple. And if you remember, we talked about how often we view disciple as, as like, are we discipling somebody? Or are we being discipled? But disciple, being a disciple as a way of, of, of life, right? As a, as a, uh, as a, as a noun rather than a, a verb, right? So 
uh, disciple being in essence who we are. It's funny, we, we, uh, we, knocked, we introduced Micah to Mad Libs last night. And so Micah babysat Taylor Swift while the garbage guy brought uh, 19 billion chicken nuggets to the house. And so we were talking about nouns and verbs and that whole idea, like the garbage man was the noun in that, right? No, yeah, right? I was learning too, obviously. And, 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 and the verb is that the garbage man actually swam those chicken nuggets, right? So discipled or discipling or being discipled versus we are disciples, a way of life. Anyways, go home, break out the Mad Libs. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Anyways, there's a lot of laughter. Uh, but much like we talked about that last week is that uh, it's, it's, it's safe to say that we desire that way of life of being a disciple, entering in under Christ as, uh, as a disciple of his, and only his. We don't, we're not disciples of other things or other, that's the whole idea of giving your heart fully to uh, Christ. And, 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 and along with that, I think another way to kind of explain that, if somebody was to ask you, uh, well, where do you go to church? Well, I go to CTK Sudden Valley. We meet in the barn in the woods in the Sudden Valley. Oh, well, what kind of church is that? Well, you know, maybe you know this or not, more non-denominational Christian church. And so what that means is like, we want to focus on the main thing, and that is Jesus. And so, uh, oh, so you're a Christian. Yes, I'm a Christian. Well, what does that mean, right? Um, Christian, actually in the Bible, is, is, is only mentioned, and I even challenge it as mentioned even three times, it's thought to be mentioned, um, but, uh, but in the New Testament, disciples, or being called a disciple, is well over 200 times. And so identifying as uh, a, a disciple is actually more accurate than a Christian. Christian, I kind of view Christian as this idea of uh, believing or agreeing with the theory of Jesus. Right? Having the knowledge, reading your Bible, knowing and understanding the theory of Jesus lived, died, and, uh, and resurrected, and sent his spirit for us. Like, I believe, I'm a Christian. I believe in that. But a disciple, I'm just building on last week, a disciple is actually the conviction and the commitment to living that out in our lives. You see the difference there? A disciple is one that would live, would, would be affected by the theory of the idea and know that it is true, believe it, but then also put it into action and live that out as a disciple under Christ. And uh, the side note to that is, if you want to relate more to that, is, is this idea of saying, well, oh, you're a Christian? Well, no, I'm actually a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, that might, people be like, what? Oh, uh, ah, you know, might be scared of you or whatever. But, I mean, that's in a sense what we are. And, 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 and what we'll get into is even what living that out looks like to us. But there's a transition. There's a process in this. And that's what we want to focus on today. And the, and, the, and, the, and the transition or the process in this, I believe, is twofold. Us being able to live out our mission as a church, I believe, is, is twofold. It's both uh, highly individual, so uh, personal, private, one might even say very intimate, right? The choice of following Jesus is that, is that of uh, private and intimate and personal and individual, but it's also communal, the idea of a, a, a group, a church 
uh, oriented with church and gathering together with a family. And I believe that, uh, that we do this uh, together, right? Uh, you can't, and, and, and actually I believe this even more and more as I walk through the last couple of weeks in planning this. Uh, actually, I, I, you can't be a disciple of Jesus without one or the other. You have to have both, that personal conviction, that personal decision to follow him, but also the deep conviction of that, but also uh, be active in the body of the church. And I know that's like, for us, it's almost become a theory that's accepted. Well, you know, uh, and we'll get into this a little bit more, but the theory of, well, I love Jesus, but I don't love the church. That's not Jesus. Like, you leave kind of Jesus out of it in, in saying that. And last week we focused on these idea of the disciples in, 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 in the conviction that we have to, to fall under Jesus' teaching. And for us, essentially the idea is disciples who make disciples. Remember the commandment we left off with? That we would go and make disciples. That we wouldn't disciple people or people or be discipling. That we would go and make disciples. We would go and make followers of Jesus. And if that's the goal, it's, it's so personal. It's, it's individual for us to, to even make that choice in, in following Christ. You can kind of sum it up this way, and it's a very intimate story, even all through Scripture. God, um, God, in a sense, started his restoration plan for his people, of which we all play a part of. His restoration plan for his people through a couple, Abraham and Sarah. It was pretty intimate. It was a family uh, and, 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 and God said, from your family, I will bless all people. That's Genesis 12. And that promise to him, to each of us, was a savior. That Jesus, out of their lineage, out of their family line, a savior would be born that was for all people. And God, God actually said, I'm going to send my son. And Jesus actually entered and stepped towards us in relationship and coming to earth and walking earth and relating to what we would go through, relating to what uh, he would uh, desire for us. And he knows and feels everything that we would know and understand in, 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 in following him. And he, in, in, in doing that, God became one of us through Christ. And, and it helps us to understand that God isn't what we often think of God, right? He isn't the computer guy. Da, 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 da. I do this for Eric because he's the computer guy. Da, 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 da. Sitting back on his computer, hitting send and answering emails and like passing down authority and all that kind of stuff. That God actually enters into a very personal relationship with us. And Jesus was that fulfillment of that promise back then. And then if you fast forward, uh, he came to earth to live the life, the perfect life, the personal life. And Jesus uh, came to earth and started his ministry. And that became God's plan for us, right? That he would send his son. And we talked about this. God then called his disciples. He called them and said, follow me. And by calling his disciples, they individually turned their hearts towards him. And some of the most intimate decisions were made at that calling that Jesus had. That he would tell them to leave their family or leave their job. And I don't know about you or what's, 
what, what you have going on in your life, but I'm sure there are things in your life that you would think twice about giving up. But Jesus said, give it all up and follow me. In a sense, their livelihood would become other things, and, and what we often talk about is Jesus actually is in all things. So some of us are blessed enough that I have Jesus ask us to give us our job, but he give up our job. He's actually asking us to use our job. Right? But what's, what's really struck me this week about this idea is that Jesus, in calling, and if we just even focus on the original 12, the 12 disciples, we've, we've, we've all heard of those probably. Jesus called the 12 disciples to follow him, but what, what he didn't do is he didn't call the 12 disciples to a unique calling that was unique to them that they would only go out and do on their own. That was separate or different from everybody else. The 12 of them actually were called to a combined cause and purpose. That they would be doing the same work, and, and they would go off to different areas, but it would be the same purpose and calling that the 12 of them were called together for. And it's funny because church is, is a lot like a, a family in that we don't get to choose who comes and goes. We've talked about this at the beginning. Um, uh, but the, I love that the humanity of the disciples and their disagreements that they had over who they were and how, how they were called and, and who was the worst or the best among them. There's still that squabbling that brings humanity to it. But, but in a sense, we're a family that is called to the same direction and the same calling in our lives. Dis despite our unique giftings and, and, and makeup and what God actually has for each one of us individually. Because here's the deal. Um, Jesus, in calling each of his disciples and in, in, in calling you into that discipleship, calling you into being a disciple, he invites you into uh, understanding and, and, and knowing the value that he has for you in your life. That the value that he has actually uh, is displayed by his trust and his interest of what he desires for you to do in your life. He calls you into the most meaningful uh, attempt of, of, of most meaning in our life more than anything we could build on our own. Right? And it's a personal invite. It's a, it's a pull on your heartstrings kind of invite. And he says, will you, will, will, will you, will you receive that? I choose you. And all throughout scripture, Jesus does that with many different people from walks of life. I choose you. You are valued. You are loved. You are wonderfully made. And you have great purpose that you could have, that you, that I desire for you to have in your life. And he invites you into that idea of writing his redemptive story. The restoration of his people, his family, his creation. Collectively, that we would see God's redemption in all things. And we would see that that would be the goal of in all things. We would see and be a part of the redemptive story of this world. That's like, I don't know about you, but that's overwhelming. 
that God actually invites us into that level, the redemptive story of this world he gives to us. And I don't know about you, but I often think, man, I can barely feel like I contribute to my own life. Like, I, have, I don't have a ton of control of my own life, let alone to be part of some redemptive plan for the world. I'm going to tell you something. That's actually the best place to be in. And we'll get into it, but it's twofold. One, it's a reliant, we have a reliance on God, because none of us are capable of living that out. And we have a reliance on each other as we do this together, as we do this as a family, right? And I don't know, I don't know where you're at in your walk with Christ or, or where you were or where you're headed, but uh, what I do know is oftentimes when I've lost my way, when I've gotten to that point where I'm like, man, I don't even know that I see Jesus right now, like the stuff that's going on and the craziness, what I often do as a practical, one of the most practical, practical practices in my life is I go back to the last place that I felt his presence. And so I'd ask you, where in your life do you feel God's presence the most personally? And it might be communally together as a family here on Sunday mornings. That's amazing. Just an excuse for me to be like, you better get to church, right? But where is that for you? Is it, is it in your car blasting praise radio? Is it in the word locked in your closet? Is it, where is that? Where is it just the sheer joy of watching your children, or is it the, the, uh, the you know, have you incorporated him in his work that you excel at your job, and at the end of the day, you can say, ah, oh, God, you are good. Like, where is the last place that you saw and felt Jesus? If, if you're lost, or if you're like, man, I want to experience it more, go to that place. Go to that place. And God is inviting you into writing his, writing your story and writing his story, the one meant for you. Because here's the deal, church. Your story, when we uh, look at the stories of even like Abraham and Sarah and the lineage that God promised in the Old Testament, when we look at the story of the disciples like Peter, Peter, if you don't know, he's, he, Peter's, I, I relate to Peter a lot, but Peter is the guy who, at the beginning, he threw his nets out, he didn't catch anything, and then the, Jesus meets him, and then he throws his nets out and gets this massive fish catch. Peter's the one that denied Jesus. Like, so Peter, uh, Peter met Jesus on the beach, and Peter goes back there, but he gave up everything. That story, Levi. Levi, we talked about him. Matthew, the tax collector, he left the, uh, the corruption and the dishonesty of his life to follow Jesus. Constantine. Constantine, around the year 300, became the first Roman Empire to convert to Christianity. And some would say he became a disciple of Jesus. Or William Wilberforce, the British politician, a leader in the movement that abolished the slave trade. And he talked about the importance of religion, of morality, and education. Like his story. The story of Jason, who at the age of 18 met Jesus and went on to pastor a small little church in the, in the forest in Sudden Valley. Or 
the story of Eric who brought the church online during COVID uh, by the choice to engage in a church like maybe he never had. The story of Kim who decided that she would invest in kids that needed homes by starting the foster closet. The story of Tom who through his love of people uh, just simply carrying the presence of God into the practicality of the hospital. Right? And displaying God's presence alone to the, I mean, all of our stories, your story, my story, the stories written before we were alive, the stories written in the Old Testament, the New Testament, and the stories that will be written, these stories, your stories, those stories of those individuals, they're what we call even personal history. So as you tell your story, what's your personal history? What has God done in your life? And I, and, I, and I heard it put this way, that as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus, even as I came to know Christ at 18 years old, I actually could look back at the years before, and I could see God had orchestrated some stuff well before I was 18 and gave my life to him. But he orchestrated, but those stories, our personal history, I've heard it put this way, become history, his story. And collectively, that is what happens. Because these stories, your stories, are, become his stories. And because we journey on this path of disciple, we are immediately, we immediately find ourselves in the company of others who have made the choices and the decisions that they have made. Communally. Right? Others have left the life once lived to follow the life fully lived. That company of people who have made the choice to follow Christ, and we do it together. Macroly, it's a, a large group throughout all of history that have put their faith, trust, and hope in Jesus and, and, and written his stories that we come together and, and, and are all a part of. But on the micro level, it's actually we find out real quickly that we need each other. That we need the person who's walking to our right or to our left. That we need those that are on the path to keep in step with us, to keep kind of ushering us forward. We need each other to sharpen each other, to lead each other in growth. We need the enlightenment. Uh, we need the shared experiences that we've had so that we can see God in unique and fresh ways. And that leads me to the second idea, the second fold idea of, of how we are to do this. We do this personally, individually, intimately. Like we're accountable actually to each other for that. But we also do that through community, through the, the church. And I heard it put this way the Bible cover to cover. The Bible cover to cover is God's story of redeeming the world through community. Obviously through Christ, but God didn't pick single individuals to then redeem, redeem his people. He actually, all throughout scripture, cover to cover, redeemed it through community. 
in Jesus, but through community. And from the beginning of the church in the New Testament, where God chose, uh, chose to gather community at Pentecost, at the very start of church, he gathered thousands of people together that spoke different dialects and came from different areas, and he gathered in them together to move the church forward. Massive community of diversity to move people forward. And before that, Jesus even modeled community, right? And gathering the 12. And Jesus, even throughout Scripture, he attended church, right? Jesus himself modeled visiting the synagogue and visiting the temple and, uh, and, and, and participating in, uh, you know, organized prayer and, and Sabbath worship. Like, Jesus was all about church, And that's where it gets in where I think oftentimes we convince ourselves, or at least it's common these days to convince ourselves, well, I love Jesus, but I just don't like church. And I get it because church, honestly, church is messy, right? Want to know why it's messy? Because you're messy. I'm messy. We're all messy. We're people, right? And believe me, I get it. I'm blessed enough to see enough of the mess. People bring the mess to me, and I welcome it because it actually makes me feel good because I'm messy. But that we then work through the mess and focus on God and his story, his redemptive story that is through Christ. One of my favorite, one of my favorite authors, mainly because of the book Wounded Healer, but um, Henry Nouwen gets, Henry Nouwen gets uh, the messiness of humanity and how that relates to, to God. And, and he says this. He says this. The church will never cease to get in the way of Jesus. But it will also never cease to be the way to Jesus. The way to God. And that just rocked my world because the idea is, yes, actually the church does a plenty good enough job getting in the way of getting to Jesus. But community and, 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 and God's design of the church is also the way to Jesus. And I hope you can see that, that you, we understand that, uh, that actually we could be a big, big barrier to Jesus. But in that, we, the church, are also the open door for others to see it to experience, to enter into it. I use words like community and family and potluck. I like potluck. That's good. Wait, are you guys even with me? That was supposed to be like at least a mild laugh. I think we're going to plan. I'm really trying to get the chili cook-off. That's like community. Um, but I get a hard time because uh, I, at one time many years ago, I must have voiced my displeasure with the word fellowship to Josh, one of the most meaningful people in my life. And he's, let me, he's reminded me often that I don't like the word fellowship. But in, in, in writing this message and thinking about it, and then reading the emoji meme text that he sent me of the Fellowship of the Rings, I was like, man, that actually fits a fellowship. 
And, and, the, and the definition of that as a, as, a, as a noun is that it's friendly association, especially with people who share one's interests. A group of people meeting uh, to pursue a shared interest in an aim. The same road. We're on the same road together. And, and we are the church and we display Christ. And, and fellowship works for potluck, so I like it. Um, but fellowship isn't it isn't in, in, in the communal aspect that Christ calls it. It isn't in a potluck, and it isn't in a chili feed, and it isn't in we're not having fellowship in the back after church where we hang out and shoot the breeze, and, and then we head off to our homes. Fellowship, or what we've been calling it, is this, this idea of being disciples or discipleship, is, is living out the words that are spoken. And, and, and I tell you what, I'm not pinning these sermons. God, God is giving us him. Price is singing the songs, but like he said at the beginning of the service, it's not about him singing, uh, and it's not about just the words on the screen. It's actually the idea of praise and worship. Right? Part of the idea of church in the sermon and singing, uh, the service is receiving it together. Receiving it next to each other, right? Part of singing the songs when Michelle Hurley, she's down with the kids today, part of singing the songs when Michelle's here is that she's going to try her hardest to get us to clap. And she knows we're not a clapping church. Like, we don't have any beat. Maybe because your leader doesn't have any beat. But, but that's part of it. Or part of it is when Amy's sitting here and, and she laughs at all of my corny jokes. And then I know people are actually following me. Or part of it is when you sit next to Heather and she, you see the disapproving head nods that she gives me. Or when Glenn sits here and, he, and, and, he, and he's following me. Like part of that is, is doing it together and being in, in this environment of community and communal space that we share with each other. Right? The message, the, the mission, the direction of the church is not what I preach. You preach the message of the church. You do it. I don't do it. You do it. You preach the message of the church. And I, I know you guys get here and you, and you hear it, and that's good. We talked about it at the beginning of the sermon about it isn't about just hearing it. It's about living it out. And so uh, you guys are the ones that go out and preach the message of the church that you preach the mission of the church and the direction of the church. It isn't me. And I'm glad it isn't me. And you're glad it isn't me. Right? I have to admit, at best, I'm like Judd Bushler on the 97 Bulls team. Like, you don't even know who he is, right? They won a championship that year and, and he was on the, or I'm like, I, I, was, I watched the Sonics growing up. I'm like Rich King of the Sonics. Like, that guy got in like two games, right? But together, together we're pushing that forward and we're living that out in our lives. You and I, as we go out, are preaching the message and the mission of the church. We count on each other, right? 
We piggyback each other, right? We carry each other along. We spur each other forward. So if we're going to be the most effective church that God has for us, as we've walked through the mission, if we're going to be the most effective church that God desires for us, I've come up with a few things for us to do. One, it's personal. It starts with you finding the spot of uh, conviction and commitment to meet God where he is at. And to come under him as a disciple. Like, not like identify, title, name tag that says I'm a Christian, but actually, day to day, minute to minute, making the decision through your conviction and your commitment to Jesus to live your life for him. That's huge. It's a continual process, not one that we arrive at but a continual choice that we make. Personally, intimately, making that decision on a regular basis through your conviction to follow Jesus. And the second is the command to do it together. And it simply starts with you engaging here. Engaging here at CTK Sudden Valley. And I get that there's capital C Church and... and, the majority of our lives as disciples is lived outside these doors, but there is something unique about gathering together and worshiping and hearing the word of God and then doing whatever you do with it. I don't get to make that decision for you, but hopefully God convicts you. But it starts with engaging right here. And, 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 and in all honesty, and I'm, you know, I shy away from saying it this way, but the best way to catch the pulse of the church is to gather together with the church. Communally. And then the third is the world. To live out the sermons preached, the songs sung, God's leading and pulling on your heartstrings, to live that out outside of the gatherings together yes hand in hand but to through conviction to do that outside in the world in your workspaces in your homes in your in your in your life in every aspect of your life it's 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 said this without purpose we humans are fragile i love my buddy norm's posts on facebook uh, not the Winnie the Pooh ones. Those are kind of cute. Um, but the posts of the Coast Guard and the ships being tossed back and forth. And those ships go through a lot, and, and they can withstand a lot. But it's it said that we humans, without purpose, are fragile. We're like a boat tossing at sea and, 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 and isolated. The wind can disrupt us, but together we're stronger. There's... True purpose comes comes outside of yourself, right? There's, you know, I mean, an isolated button pusher somewhere has to eventually enter into community, right? Like up far north Canada or something, he's pushing buttons all by himself in a hut. Like, hey, Jason, no. Um, but he enters into community, Right? There's an aspect of eventually the paycheck that he gets gets spent community, and there's, there's, that's God's design, cover to cover. 
to redeem his people through community. And that purpose, shared purpose, is far stronger than individual purpose. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to take communion. It's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a minute. Um, and we're going to do that twofold. We're going to take communion where we normally focus on individually remembering what Christ did for each one of us. The life that he lived, his body broken, blood poured out for us individually. But we're also, and I heard the words, I, I might have been Eric, it might have been somebody who told me, you know, there's something about taking communion as a family. And we call this, I've called it before, the family table. Ben, Ben is a big family table guy. Taking and participating in a meal together. And so as we take communion today, and as I explain the elements to you, I want you to see them individually, but I also want you to see them collectively, communally, as a family. As Jesus gathered in the upper room with the disciples um, in, in that meal, uh, the night he was arrested, he took bread. This is, uh, this is some cornbread, jalapeno bread I made yesterday. It's pretty good. And he broke it, right? And he said, this is my body broken for you. But he, he didn't mean just you individually. He meant you historic, all throughout history, body broken for us, his family, his church, his fellowship. And that same night, he took not polar seltzer water. He took wine, and he, and he poured it out. And he said, whoa, that's fizzy. He said, this is my blood poured out for you. You, individually, yes, but collectively, communally, for all of history, for all people, for us his family, his fellowship. So I'm going to invite Price to come forward. And those of you that are at home, you can partake how you want. Here in the room, Price is going to sing a little bit of the, first, the next song for us as we come forward and in, in, in gather communion. And I would encourage you to ponder that idea that this wafer, and again, there's actually two folds. So there's a top fold that does the wafer first, and then there's one for the juice. But this act of body broken, blood poured out is not only for you individually to remember the work, the work, the choice that Christ made for you, but also that he did it for all of us together as his church, as his family, as his fellowship.